Let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The highest of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can build you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified as we are edified. Amen. You know, sound like you mean it. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to share quickly. Uh, I think I want to start um, a two-part um, teaching on friendships. And I want us to see something in the scriptures on friendships. I think I will start it today and I'll finish it next week. Are you ready for that? Yeah. All right. So as believers in Christ, we, we, we have been born. We studied something last week. I believe you should lay your hands on it. I don't know if you were around last week and, 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 and believe that people should listen to what we thought last week. I don't know if you were around. What did we study? Letter to the Churchless Christian, right? I believe it's something you should listen to. Please lay your hands on the message. Um, I believe it's out already. Praise God. All right, let's see friendships. So as believers, uh, we've been born into a family. And a family, that is, we have been born into a family of God. Uh, so as believers, we were not, so as we were born again, we were born into a family. So being born again is being born into God's family. I believe every one of us here are born again. We are Christians. We believe the gospel. So our believing the gospel means we are being born into a family. That is God's family. So in that family, God is the father. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. Hallelujah. So we, we are born into that relationship and it's predicated upon our faith in the resurrection. So that is, we have been born into a relationship. So that is, everyone who is born again or born of God has been born into a community. We've been born together into a household of God. So, we are not born again to be isolated. We started that last week and we said a believer is not born again to be isolated. A believer needs a local church. A believer needs a gathering. A believer needs a fellowship where he or she can gather together and fellowship with other people of like mind. So, one of um, so the relationship and depended solely on our choices and one of those relationships are friendships. And every believer needs to learn how to be a friend and know how to choose a friend. And these are things that the scripture teaches. Uh, I, I didn't come here to teach you a motivational message this morning on, okay, I know everybody have heard some sort of something on friendships, have a good friend, have a good thing. But I came this afternoon to show you the scriptures on, on how to be a good friend, on how to know who your friend is from the scriptures so we, we, it's very important so before we even get into that study it is important for us to know what the believers enemies are Are you ready to know who your enemies are all right look at ephesians 6 verse 11 ephesians 6 verse 11 let's look out what the scripture teaches on our enemies first now look at ephesians 6 verse 11 ephesians 6 verse 11 it says, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we can safely say, the devil is the believer's enemy, right? Right? The devil is not your friend. The devil is your enemy. The Bible says, you see in another um, text, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So that means there's somebody you can't keep around you and that's the devil. All right, look at John 6 verse 33 john 16 not 6 sorry john 16 verse 33 can everybody hear me yeah. all right cool 
John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. He said, These things have I spoken to you, that in me ye may have peace in this world, ye may have tribulations. It says, be of good share, for I have overcome the world. Now, one of the things that Jesus was warning us against now was the world. The world now would mean the um, activities of the world. It doesn't necessarily, you can't run away from the world because you are in this world already. If you want to run away from the world, you, the first place to run away from is not dream, right? But <laughs> you are not in Zion. You are in Zion in the spirit. But you are not dream physically, so you cannot run away from the world, right? But the activities of the world, the activities of the world, do you know them? Can somebody tell me some of them? Activities of the world. Well, is everybody quiet? Is everybody scared of missing it? Uh, activities of the world. Eh? Smoking, yeah, sure. Which one again? Violence, yes. Activities of the world that a believer should not engage in. Idolatry. Idolatry, cool. Fornication. Fornication. Everybody is quiet. Strife. Strife. Which other one? Ah, uh, I've not heard that before. Uh, what does that mean? I'm, I'm trying to learn English. <laughs> what does he mean? Eating too much food. Eating too much food. I'm sure some people will never agree with that. I'm so sure some will say, nah, that is the word I want to enter. <laughs> Eating too much food? Wow, that's true. I mean... I don't know, but there are some foods I can't resist. There are just some foods I can't resist. But we will permit it. <laughs> so which other one? Let's, let's do one more. Which other one? Vanity. Vanity, yes, good. You. Yes, the works of the flesh. I love, I love that. Galatians 5.19 is talking about the works of the flesh. So that's good. So those are the enemy of the believer. Now let's see Galatians 5 verse 17. Interestingly, I was getting there before he, came, he, brought, he brought it up. Look at Galatians 5 verse 17. Galatians 5 verse 17. It says, For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So that shows one of the things to run away from, or one of the enemies of the believer, is the flesh. So we've identified three things now. We've seen the devil, the world, and we can see the flesh. So and we see the works of the flesh also in verse 19 where it says, The works of the flesh are made manifest, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, um, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murder, drunkenness, revelings. So we have all of those things. So when the world, the devil, and the flesh are found in any of our relationships, such relationships should be brought to an end. 
So when we find the activities of the world in our relationship, activities of the world we mean when we are mingling with people who are doing things that we just listed, who are, who are moving in that direction, who are going in, uh, just clubbing every night, you know, partying every night, going to smoking every night, and they don't see any reason, and they don't see any crime in it, we can say this is not a good friend. Are you seeing that? So when we see the activities of the world, the activities of the flesh, the activities of the devil in certain relationships, we can say these can't be of God. Because such relationships should be put to an end because that would not glorify the Father. But meanwhile, the believers must be cordial. A believer must be cordial because you are still going to preach to people like that. You can't say because they are moving in the world, you won't talk to them anymore. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you have to be cordial because you are, those are those you are sent to preach to. Those are those you are sent to minister to. And it is you who can change them. So now don't because you want to change them mingle with them you know some people say i want to change that. i mean if you have been in a relationship now don't don't be shy you've been in a relationship with a guy you know this guy is not supposed to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend but you're like i'm going to change this person i'm going to i just like this person i know this person doesn't go to church this person doesn't um serve god but i believe i can change this person everybody's quiet Nobody wants, to, no, nobody wants to expose themselves. All right, cool. You are not the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So you can't change anyone. <laughs> you can't change anyone. Do you get that? Hallelujah. So you can't change anyone. So, but you can be cordial, right? You can be cordial, relational. You can be exemplary. You know, you can be very exemplary amongst unbelievers, especially, see, the best way to be exemplary is among unbelievers. You don't say, okay, you can be living among them, even at home, even in your dormitories, even around you at work. So you're going to watch your speech. You're going to watch your conduct. So you're going to watch how you behave. You're going to watch how you talk. Because as a believer, you must be a light in the darkness. Does that make sense? You must be that light shining in the darkness. The Bible says, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. So that shows a believer is a light. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, you are a light. You're not sounding like you mean it. You're a light. So, so you're a light. So you must be relational. You must be exemplary among unbelievers. And that's, so we've seen the limits now. So that means you must not get intimate. Because you are not the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You can't change anyone. Hallelujah. But you must be exemplary, right? You must be relational. They can ask you, give me this. You help them. They can ask me, do this. You know, say, oh, because they are unbelievers. And they come near you, doesn't. Mm -mm. You shake your head like. They ask you, um, please, can you direct me to the library? Are you an unbeliever? <laughs> no, have you met some hypocrites like that? You know, there are some hypocrites like that, right? That they just feel like, um, are you are you born again? I don't I've not heard of anything born again. All right. That's all. I mean, we don't have any <laughs> light the Bible says light and darkness cannot cohabit with one another. <laughs> so no. All right. So Jesus had examples of friendship. Now let's look at Jesus' example of friendship. Jesus had the multitude. Now we're about to open a lot of texts. Let's be fast. Matthew 5, verse 1. Matthew 5 verse 1. I'm sure you're going to love this. I want to show you 
how Jesus was able to select those he wanted to work with. And Jesus' example of friendship. And that can be seen in our own life. Alright, look at it in Matthew 5 verse 1. Because our relationship, why, why are we teaching this? Last week we studied the letter to the churchless Christian. And we said that a believer can't be in isolation. A man is a product of influence. How many of you know that? The man is a product of influence. The way you talk today, the way you walk today, in fact, the dressing, the, the, your fashion sense is because you were influenced. You saw it somewhere and you decided to wear it. You decided to do what you're doing. The way you talk today, the way you write today, the way you even eat, the, the type of things you like were influenced by something. Some people say, me, nobody can influence me. I can never be influenced. That statement alone is an influence. Are you getting what I'm saying? So man is a product of influence. So our relationship matters. The people we relate with matters. The people we, we communicate and open our hearts to on a daily basis matters. Does that make sense? And that can determine how far we are going to go or how we are going to be dragged backwards. So now let's see Jesus now. Matthew 5 verse 1. Are we there? Are we there? All right. Now it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Now, there was the multitude. So Jesus had the multitudes. The multitudes now will mean a large group of people. Are you seeing it? Now look at it, Matthew 12, verse 15. I, I want to show you a lot of scriptures. So we'll, we'll gradually progress it somehow. I, I think I'll just do a part one today and next week we'll do a part two. Or look at Matthew 12, verse 15. Matthew 12, verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. So now we can say Jesus had great multitudes with him at some times. Look at it in Matthew 13, verse 34. Matthew 13, verse 34. Matthew 13, verse 34. And all these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parable, and without a parable spake he not unto them. So Jesus spake to all his disciples in, oh, not all his disciples now, all the multitudes in parables. Now, so that shows there was the multitude, right? So we are establishing a fact now. There was the multitude that Jesus was addressing at certain times. Are you seeing it? All right, now look at in Luke 10 verse 1. Look at Luke 10 verse 1. Luke 10 verse 1. Luke 10 verse 1. Are we there? I'll wait for you. Are you there, right? All right, look at in Luke 10 verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. And sent unto them two and two before his face into every city, whither he himself would come. So now, we've established the fact that there was a multitude, right? Now there is the 70. Are you seeing it? We are seeing the progression. Now look at in. So now, in Luke 6. Look at Luke 6. Luke 6. So then let I hear the 12. Luke 6. Let's see from verse 12 to 16. Then he chose them. Look at him. And it came to pass in those days. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Is everybody there? All right. Look at Lucy's verse. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night with God, all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose 12. So he chose them. 
You know, a lot of people want to be with Jesus at that time. But Jesus and picked 12. So he chose 12 of them and named the apostles. So, and they listed their names from 14 to 16. Now, so Jesus shows them by himself after he spent 40 days and 40 nights praying and fasting. And so we can see the structure. So now we, we've established the fact that there was the multitude, right? Then they gradually progressed 70. Then we saw the 12. Are we seeing it? Now, so that was Jesus. And there was also the three. Look at Matthew 17 verse 1. Matthew 17 verse 1. So even among the 12, there was also the three. And I'm sure everybody knows the three, right? Because I'm sure majority of us here are Christians. All right, look at Matthew 17 verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taken Peter, James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to a mountain apart. So now Jesus had three special people. He separated apart. Look at Luke 8 verse 51. Luke 8 verse 51. We're going to open a lot of texts. We're going to open a lot of scriptures. Bear with me. Amen. Luke 8, verse 51. Luke 8, verse 51. Are we there? We're there, right? All right. It says, And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father, and the mother, the maiden. So he had Peter, James, and John. So there was the multitudes, right? There was the 70, there was the 12, there was the 3, and there is also the 1. Now, let's see. Luke 24, verse 33. Luke 24, verse 33. Now, I'm walking you through a progression of something. Because we are studying, what are we studying again? Can someone remind me? Friendships, good. Look at it in Luke 24, verse 33. Luke 24, verse 33. Are we there? It says, Then he rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered, them that were with them, and saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and appeared to Simon. Now, the eleven gathered will be the eleven disciples now. You know, Judas is already dead at this time. He has already hanged himself at this time. Now, but there was a special reference that the Lord appeared to Simon. That's Peter. Now look at in John 21, verse 15 to 17. John 21. I'm still establishing my fact, so we're coming gradually. It's going to make sense very soon. John 21, verse 15 to 17. I'll wait for you. we there, right? Okay, cool. It says, so when they had denied, so when they had dined, sorry, not denied, dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. And he said it again to the second time, Simon, the son of Jonah, thou lovest me. And he said, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, feed my sheep. In verse 17, and he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, thou lovest me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me. And he, asked on, and he said unto the Lord, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that, thou, that I love thee. And Jesus said unto me him, feed my sheep. So now, Jesus was talking to one person again. 
Are you seeing it? Now look at it, Mark 16, verse 7. Mark 16, verse 7. Mark 16, verse 7. Mark 16, verse 7. So Peter was singled out again, Mark 16, verse 7. And he says, go your way. Tell his disciples. Look at how they did it. It's like saying, tell everybody in North Dream and Brother Holimo. Are you saying there's a two different, two different things? It says, tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, that there ye shall see him, and he said unto you. So now, we've said there is... The multitudes, right? There is the what? 70. There is what? The 12. And the 1. All right, cool. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. Let's establish the 1 very well so that it will make sense. 1 Corinthians 15. Because when Paul spoke about the resurrection, he singled out Peter again. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. It says, and he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Cephas there is means Peter. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So that shows Jesus appeared to Peter alone. Peter can say, I had a personal revelation with God that even all that disciples did not have. Right? Now, and that is a product of relationship. Because we must have such distinctions in our friendship. Now, why did I do all of those explanations? Is to make you understand that there are distinctions in friendships. And we must be seen. And, and, they, and you see, a lot of us just call people our friends. Even people that you don't know, they are your friend. Who you just spoke to one day, they are your friend. It's fine. It's fine. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's fine. But there should be distinctions in our friendships. So we saw that Jesus singled out the multitudes, the 70, right? The, which one again? The 12, the 30, and there is the 1. So now from those examples, Jesus shows us that friends are to be prayerfully and carefully chosen. Now, there was the 70, but Jesus prayerfully chose the 12. He picked the Bible made us to understand that. He chose the 12. So that means, how afraid, because we, we leave things to chances many a times, and we just think, oh, because me and this person, we attend the same, we, we take the same courses, we, we are good, I mean, uh, we, we sleep in the same hostess together, I mean, we, we, we think, we, we go to the same job together, that person is automatically my friend. But Jesus didn't pick those who will work with him that way. Jesus didn't say because they were the multitudes following him, then I can automatically make them my disciples. Even, now let's see, uh, we're going to get to this, probably not this week, maybe, maybe not this week, but next week. We're going to get to how to handle betrayers in friendships, how to handle disappointments, shortcomings, and all of those things. Now, even with the 12 that Jesus picked, um, chose, there was still a Judas. So imagine Jesus didn't pray. All the disciples would be Judas. <laughs> because there was a Judas. Even the one that Jesus relied on. What did the one do to him? <laughs> the one denied him. <laughs> that one person denied him. 
But Jesus, he had still loved him. So friendships must be prayerfully and carefully chosen. Tell your neighbor, say friendships. friendships. You're not saying like you mean it. Must be prayerfully and carefully chosen. So a primary element in friendship is that we ought to carefully choose our friends and not allow imposed friendships. I mean, if you have had people who just wake up one morning and just start calling you best friends. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. You are not wondering, are you wondering, ah, bro, <laughs> we didn't grow together. We, we just met at the dining hall. You're calling me a best friend. I don't know people, people like that. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to allow anybody impose friendship on you. But you know what we do? Because of sentiments, we just, we just say, oh, yeah, you two are my best friend. You two are my best friend. You don't know what best friendship means? I don't know those things. <laughs> so we don't have to allow people impose friendship on us. So and this is how to ensure that our friendship are within our control. That is, we must choose those we allow to come close to us. We must choose it, those we allow to come close to us. Because remember I told you, man is a product of influence, right? Man is a product of influence. The reason you are here or in this meeting this afternoon is because of influence. Are you getting what I'm saying? And the reason some people are not here this afternoon is also because of influence. Some people have told certain people, ah, don't come to fellowship. Don't come to church. Oh, those people, they are, they are just praying in tongues and I don't understand what they are saying in their tongues. So don't come. And some will say, you know, it's a Bible study. Let's go. I tell people to tomorrow, I said, I, I, and I'm not shy to say this anytime. I said, the reason why I accepted the call of ministry today is because of my friend. I accepted the call of ministry many years ago because of a friend. So imagine I didn't have a friend. I would have lost God's call on my life. Are you getting what I'm saying? I tell people this way. I said, God only came down once in Christ Jesus. So after that once, the only way God uses or speaks to people now is through man. Are you getting what I'm saying? And the way the devil also operates is through men. A man or an unbeliever who is not saved, the Bible says is the temple of idol, so that one can yield to him and the devil can carry out his operations. It doesn't make sense for a normal human being to wake up in the morning and go to school and shoot people and kill people with their guns. That's the influence of the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? So a man is a product of influence. Man is a product of influence. So why are you the way you are today? It's because of influence. It's because of the kind of association you move with, the kinds of friends you keep, the kind of people you talk to, the kind of content you watch on YouTube, the kind of um, videos you see on Netflix. Those are the, what is shaping your mind view or even your worldview or even your biblical view. I tell people, you meet some people who are atheists. They can't even defend why they are atheists. You ask them, why, do you, why are you an atheist? I watched one four minutes video. Four minutes video on, on, on YouTube confused you. <laughs> my Lord and my God. You know, I, I seen that. I, I remember I was going on outreach one time earlier this year, and I met an agnostic. The guy just successfully wasted my time. Because I said, okay, so why are you an agnostic? He said, ah. 
um, they taught us in science, you know, see you, somebody taught you. Now, they taught us in science. I said, ah, are you sure the person that taught you knows what he's saying? He said, you mean? I said, okay, are you sure the person that taught you knows what he's saying? He said, ah, I just believe it. Okay, now I'm telling you that Jesus is Lord. You don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but you believe, he said, eh, the thing came from science. They just shot the first boom. I said, okay, who shot the first boom that made the first boom to be a boom? He said, ah, I just I said, see. Brother, you are going to a fire. <laughs> if you don't believe the gospel, you are going to a fire. That's all. <laughs> so, you know, some people, the reason why they did not believe the gospel today is because of a friend. And a lot of people are so gullible, they don't even know how to make decisions on their own. Oh, is my friend going for Bible study? I will follow. You know you are free, oh. You know you are free. Saturday, 12 p.m. You know there's nothing you are doing. But because your friend is not coming for Bible study, ah, you just turn it to rest day, laundry day. You say, ah, okay, I have laundry time. Let me go and watch laundry. Or now that there's a World Cup, you gotta watch a team that is losing. I don't know if you're supporting Messi. Before we continue, I don't know if you are supporting Messi so that we know how to end this service on time. I don't know if you are supporting Messi. I mean, let me see your hands. I don't know if you are for Sir Ronaldo. Okay, leave the service. Okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. How many of you are Chelsea fans here? Let me see. All right, leave the service. Leave, leave. The, the door is wide open. Leave, leave. leave. Huh? I support Manchester United. Why would everybody say no? Why is everybody saying no? That's where Jesus lives. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right, let's continue. So, Friendship ought to be within our control. So we must choose those we allow to come close to us. And we must choose those we allow from coming close to us. We must choose those we allow from coming close to us. And we must choose those we are going to disallow from coming close to us. You know that that person you are relating with, the relationship is not profitable. You know that this person is not leading you anywhere but hellfire. You know, we have to be saying it very well. A lot of people don't say it again. If you don't believe the gospel, <laughs> you are going to hellfire. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? But thank God we believe. Glory to God. We are, we are, the Bible says we've passed from death to life. Hallelujah. We can never experience death again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, it's the, it's the unbeliever who dies. But the Bible says, for the believer, we are sleeping. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, as believers, we ought not to have relationship that cannot be defined. All our relationships must be defined. Jesus defined his relationships very well. He had the multitudes. He had the 70 but do you know, he also sent the 70 to preach. How many of you saw that in the scripture that we just read? He sent the 70 to preach. He also had the 12 whom he trained. He had the three. The three were always with him. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John every time. Then he also had the one. The Peter. The relationship was well defined. So, are you, you, as, I, as I teach you this afternoon, very quickly... I want you to start making reflections on people you have around you. Who are the multitudes? Who are the seventies in your life? Who are the twelve? Or who is the three? 
And who is the one? Hallelujah. Who is, who is it? The relationships has to be defined because anytime there is a consistent communication, there is a consistent affinity, there is a consistent sight between people, there will always be an influence. Always. Anytime there is a consistent communication with somebody, there is a consistent, you guys are talking all the time, you guys are in close proximity all the time, you guys see all the time. You know, some people will say, we are not in a relationship. You see some people, some two guys, a guy and a boy, a, a, a girl and a boy, they are not in a relationship. They are not. But they talk all the time. They even sleep on FaceTime together. They say, just don't huff it, don't, don't cut it. At least it's, it's, it's free Wi-Fi or limited Wi-Fi. So just stay. So they wake up and say, good morning, good morning. And <laughs> in the midnight, they'll say, ah, are you snoring? Are you not snoring? <laughs> and they are not in a relationship. My brothers, you are deceiving yourself. <laughs> just define what you are doing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Define it very well. Because... We may not be able to stop people from coming around us. We may not be able to stop people from calling us, from communicating to us via social media platform. But we can decide the kind of influences we want to have. I don't know about you, but I want to keep people who will inspire me for God. I want to keep people who will inspire me to serve God the more. I want to inspire, I want to keep people who, who will tax me, tax me. I have friends and we talk and... We, we, we just, when we are studying the scriptures, we are just talking and we are just like, oh my God. And I'm just sitting down in that conversation. I'm just wondering, I don't think I know anything yet in the scriptures. You know, how about friends like that? I have a friend. When this brother starts praying, you can't catch up. This guy does not get tired in prayer. 24 hours is, is, is ready, is on the go. So there was a time we went for a meeting. And this brother fell sick. Ah, we say it's an attack. The devil has come. So, we that we are already lazy, it's a general prayer meeting. We that we are already lazy, we just say, ah, let's, let's sit down. <laughs> if this brother can be sick, there's no point praying again. <laughs> they now, so, I think there was a sick bay somewhere. They just gave him a coke and he felt okay. And he just came back. Oh, <laughs> Brother, you were just not feeling fine. He said, let's, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's continue. You know, that's a good friend. Friends that inspire you for God are good friends. I told you, I just told you my story. Many years ago, maybe about 11, 12, 13 years ago now, a friend inspired me to obey God's call for my life. I would have missed it. I would. I wouldn't be a preacher today if I didn't have a friend around me. And do you know, I also had friends who wanted me to be something else. They wanted me to be something else. They want you, you know, you, have, you always have those kind of people around you. You will just be the one to choose. But many at times, we like to enjoy this side and also enjoy this. After service, there's a party. Ah, let's go. You know, we want to enjoy both sides. We don't want to lose on both ends. There is no gain. Choose a side. <laughs> choose a side. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, let's see some lessons we can learn from the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs contain 
the words spoken by different persons in the Old Testament book of the Bible, and uh, precisely Solomon's whose teachings were proverbial sayings, and um, they were extracted and documented. So now, we're going to see, uh, we're going to take some lessons. Like I said, I, I want to break up this, this, this um, sermon and, and, and break it into two so that we can fully understand it with no rush. Now, let's look at Proverbs and um, we'll, we'll see. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Because the books of Proverbs are parables. And one thing about studying the book of Proverbs is that they are parables and riddles. Proverbs is a parable and it's like a redo. And they are intelligent sayings. So anytime you pick the book of Proverbs, they, 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 they are like an intelligent sayings. And uh, what does a proverb mean? Let me, let me explain what that means for you quickly before we get into that. A proverb is from the Hebrew word mashal, M-E-S-H-A-L, M-E-S-H-A-L. Why did I use the Hebrew word? The, the whole testament was written in Hebrew. Why the New Testament is written in Greek? So now, it was from the Hebrew word mashal, M-E-S-H-A-L, and it described a wise saying, a wise saying, and a noteworthy characteristics. A wise saying, and a noteworthy characteristics. So, and they are often very conditional. That is, they always situate from time to time in what teaching you need them to be. So now we have examples of, and one way to learn the book of Proverbs is seeing it as a father and son relationship. Now, I'll, I'll give you a breakdown of it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, 15, 16 to 17, it says, All scriptures are given for the inspiration of God, which is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Now, what instruction in righteousness is from the word padiai in the Greek, and it means nurturing, training. So, and the father's responsibility for the believer is to nurture us up, to train us. You read in Hebrews 12 down, it says, um, so, um, a child must go through chastening. That who the father likes or who the father loves, he goes through chastening. Are you, do you get it? So, that is, how many of you, when you were growing up, your, your parents whoop you? Uh, uh, we have a lot of. Let me see. Your, let me see. Your, how many of you is from your mother? How many of you is from your mother? Mothers, good, good. Fathers, fathers. Father, oh, good, good. Me, boots. <laughs> In fact, how many of you, your teachers? Your, your, your teachers? Teachers? So, some of you can't relate. Some of you, but, but those of us that know what's going on, how many of you, teachers? You know, I used to have, I, I'll keep saying this story because it is still paying me to tomorrow. I, 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 I used to have a teacher. He used to be our physics teacher then when we were in high school then. And that physics teacher would just come to class and he would just, let's say like the class, he would just pick the boys at the back and we always sat at the back then. He would just say, you, 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 stand up. And then he would put, put a solution on the, on the board to solve. And you know, solve it is different from example. How many of you know? Solve this is different from the example they taught you. The, the example they taught you is very easy. But solve it is, <laughs> solve it is always another problem. So that day, I was at, on the board like this, looking at the solve it. Ah! And the thing looks like tongues. Is it just, is it just look like tongues to me? I was just looking at it like, ah, this is a mystery. So I kept looking back. I kept looking back at if my classmates could give me solutions, like give me team. Ah, 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 ah. 
Nobody even knows it. So everybody was just looking like, God, please don't let this man call me too. <laughs> ah. So the man looked at me. I just told him, ah, sir, I don't know it too. Say, so, touch your toe. So this is how we do if you touch it. <laughs> if you touch it, you will start again. Some of you can relate. Some of you are thinking it is uh, um, it is it is child abuse. It's not child abuse. Though. It is it is not all harassment. It is not. It's just normal life in Africa. It's, it's, it's just it's just a normal life. Sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you are thinking, why why are they doing that? Oh, sorry. That is what they did to us. <laughs> so we touch our toe like this. They will flog you. You will jump up. That's when I learned how to rejoice. Go away, go. You know. So. So, so, look at Hebrews 13. Before we get to that, look at Hebrews 13. Let's see something there. And it's, a, it's a correlation of what was going on. It's a correlation of what is going on in, in, um, in Proverbs. Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. So, we'll quickly say that and we'll go back to, uh, to Hebrews 12, not Hebrews 13, sorry. Hebrews 12, verse, let's start from verse 6 or verse 5. Let's start from verse 5. Are we there? Hebrews 12, verse 5. We're there, right? He says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not, that, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Look at him in verse 6. He says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Look at what he now says in verse 7. If ye enjoy endure chastening. You know, chastening is not, it's not always sweet. It's not always true when you are being rebuked. How many of you know? It's not, it's not a good thing. You, you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel, why are they talking to me this way? Why are they not talking to me this way? What's the... So the Lord is saying now that if you endure chastening, God deal it with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So that is, what son is he who they can't correct? Are you seeing it? Who they cannot instruct? So now, that is exactly how the book of Proverbs is. Is a father and son relationship. Are you seeing it? Look at in Proverbs 1 so that you understand what I'm saying. Look at Proverbs 1. Look at Proverbs 1. It says... Are we there? It says, the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Look at what he now says. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words and of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So now, look at what he now says in verse 8. My son. Yet the instruction of thy father, forsake not the law of thy mother. So now we can say the book of Proverbs is a father and son relationship. So we are going to pick and glean wisdom from it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we can safely say it's a book where we can look at now and see certain wisdom we can pick from and learn that can apply to our today's world. I don't know if you understand it to this point. Let me see your eyes if you do. All right, cool. All right. Now, let's go back to our Proverbs 18, verse 24. I, I needed to do that background so that it will make sense. Proverbs 18, verse 24. It says, a man that had friends must show himself friendly. 
And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm not if you know this scripture. You, you've heard it all your life. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, it says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. The word friendly means, in the Hebrew text, means to be distressed. And it was used in the Hebrew word and referenced 93 times for inquiry or injury, not inquiry, injury. So that is, when you are everyone's friend, you are open to injury. Does it make sense? And that's why a lot of people are always easily hurt. Because they are everybody's friend. So they have so many expectations. I don't know if you have those kind of expectations in so many friendships and you've been hurt before. I don't know if you are a human being. You should. You've had, especially, let me tell you the one that hurts people the most. Birthdays. You bought cake for your friend on your birthday. You painted the towel blue and red for your for your friend. Then on your own birthday, your friend just said HBD. <laughs> and that was it. There was no oh, you are the soul that you are the soul that sleeps in my heart. You are the diesel, <laughs> you are the bottle in, in my neck. Or the, the cufflinks in my hand. You know, there was nothing like that. They just said, HBD, a queen and more. <laughs> and you, you bought cake. You took the person to Texas Roadhouse or Long Gun Steakhouse. You did everything. And all the person just said was HBD. My Lord and my God. You're not going to show it. You just, you just discover you're acting weird to the person. How are you? Fine. Are you good? Good. Is everything okay? <laughs> you know, those things hurt people, right? Now, so Proverbs is saying now, if man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticks up closer to a brother, and we said that our friendly means in the Hebrew to be distressed. So that is, when you are everyone's friends, and it was used, it's the Hebrew word R-A-I-F-N-H-E-Y. So, and it's an Hebrew word that means, or it was referenced 93 times for injury. That is, when you are everyone's friend, you are open to injury. So, this text can be better understood as there is a friend who hurts and a friend who is a brother. How many of you agree? By seeing the real word, it was used. Now, why are we using the Greek and Hebrew word? How many of you agree that there are words that can be translated properly in the English? How many of you understand? How many of you understand? Uh, I mean, how many of you have native language that, you know, when you are saying certain things, <laughs> this does not mean the original in the English? How many of you get that? Yeah, so, now, it's the same with the Hebrew word. So, that's why many times, because English is a very newer language, it's, about, it's not even up to a thousand years. English language is not even up to a thousand years. You can do your research on that. Now, so the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. So many a times, translation issues always have a problem. So when they are bringing certain text to us, we have to go back to the originals to see how it was used so that we can understand it properly. So now we can safely read that text and say, there is a friend who ought and a friend who is a brother. So from this, we are to learn that there are friends who betray, who wants what you have, 
their friends who will betray you, who wants what you have, who will do anything to get it, and who are in competition with you. How many of you have been in have had friends or people around you that are always in competition with you? They always be asking you, "What is? What did you get in that class?" As if it is, as if you are trying, you are going to collect a prize for you. What's your? What's your? I mean, there are friends who can inspire you, right? That so that you can read more and motivate you to do some things better. But there are some people who just want to be in competition, and they just want to make sure that you are not getting the highest grade. That so, and they will just be sad if you. I remember I was when I was when I was much younger. I used to go to um, elementary school then with a group of friends, and their parents knew. So interestingly, for the first time in my life, I took best student in French, and I didn't. I grew up in Nigeria, and Nigeria is not really a French-speaking country. Nigeria is an English-speaking country. Many people don't know, but I'm making you know now. <laughs> Nigeria is an English-speaking country. Now, so, so we took a class. So French is like a language course in, in Nigeria. So, we, so I took French. That was, I was in elementary school then. And the parents, so I didn't even know I was the best student in French. Me, I went to play. I didn't know. I didn't know. So the parents were, so the parents, when we got to the car, the parents were angry. They heard it. I didn't even collect the prize. Because I was playing, you know, when you didn't expect that you're going to win. So the parents now started insulting their children and saying, the language that his father doesn't know, the language that his mother doesn't know, he took best students in it. What were you people doing in the class? Ah, me, I was just in the car looking at them. And they were, they were knocking their head, the parents were knocking their head, slapping their faces. And the parents said, we are taking the children out of this school. Ah, why? No, I'm, I'm being serious. Interestingly, our results, you know, when, if you're in elementary school, some of, you, some of you will understand what I'm saying. So they, they, they do this report card. I don't know if you know those things, report card. Now, those report card, our report card didn't come out that day. It came, they said we should come back the next week. So one of the parents now volunteered that he must go and collect our report card for the general families that is going so that they will see, my, see whether I really topped the class for me to collect that one. Result, and they took their children away from the school. I'm not joking. Now, I'm now wondering, is life really that? <laughs> what is me? I say till tomorrow. I don't even know. <laughs> I still don't know French. All I know is Jesus. Oh, Joma Peyayomi. That's all I know. <laughs> you know, it's something you just come and put down and just pass the exam. That's all. You know, but at a young age. Parents are already teaching their children how to be in strife and competition. Are you getting it? How many of you did Christmas party when you were younger? Your parents will dress you and say you must be the one that must collect best dressed. <laughs> so from a young age, you're already looking at, I want to dress to kill. You know? So there is those kind of friendship where people are always in competition. Yet, there is the friend who stick closer than a brother. That phrase, stick it closer, is from the Hebrew word dabek, D-A-B-E-K, D-A-B-E-K. It means that which, that which is devoted than a brother. That which is devoted than a brother. And that is, that is describing a friend who is devoted to you. So, 
The question would be, do you have someone who is devoted to you? Look at Jesus and the disciples. Do you see that? I tell people, I say, I tell them, I say, 11 guys heard the gospel and reached the entire world today. 11, because of 11 guys, or let's say 12, because Judas was replaced. Because of 12 guys, I can be preaching the gospel in North Dream today. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Jesus handed over the gospel to 12 guys. And they didn't joke with it. If they had joked with it, we would have the gospel in its freedom like we have. So can you say that those guys carried Jesus' passion like theirs? How many of you have seen that? Those guys were devoted to a cause. That's friendship. Do you have friends who are devoted to you? Who you are also devoted to? No, so because I know you are already thinking like this. I'm scanning your friends. Say, Is this one devoted to you? Is this one? Are you also devoted? <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? So, those, so now, Look at him. Look at something in Proverbs 17, verse 17. Remember we said Proverbs is where we'll pick wisdom from, right? Right, guys? All right. Am I boring you? All right. Look at, look at in, in Proverbs 17, verse 17. I'm sure you're learning something, right? I, I was just, I, I, I will tell you, I, this wasn't what I was planning to teach, honestly. I, I, I believe I was just led of God to teach this. I, I wanted to teach something else, and I, I just felt to to change my to change my to offer my sermon, and just explain this to you guys. So I don't know. I believe this is going to bless you, right? Right. All right. Look at look at in Proverbs seventeen verse seventeen. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversities. In reality, so now, in reality, a fact of life is adversities. Now, what does adversity mean? It just simply means hardship, difficulties, harsh conditions, and all of those things. And see, you are going to go through it because you are, you are human. You are not yet Holy Spirit. Or <laughs> you have not left this world. So you are going to go through difficult times. You are going to go through trying times. You are going to go through tough times. That is why you are human. So you can't run away from it. Hallelujah. It is natural. <laughs> as far as you are in these four corners of this world, <laughs> it is born with it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it's not every time you will have good times. There will be times you want to cry. There will be times life will show you there's something they say in my language, shege. I don't know if I've heard shege before. Uh, are you Nigerian? Ghana, ah, oh, you know shege. <laughs> shege means, I don't know how to explain it. These are one of those translations problem. Who can explain it for me? Who, eh? Tough times. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what it means too. But now. So there will be ash times, difficult times, and that is exactly when to know a friend. Tough times, trying times, difficult times, that is when to know a friend, and that is when to be a friend. I don't want you to learn this now and just go and be scanning and be waiting for people to, to be under prepared perfect for you. I want you to also know how to be a good friend. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Mm. 
So true friends have therefore known our weakest moments in life. True friends are known have our weakness moments in life. When we are when we are at our lowest, it is therefore important to note that anyone who can strike you when you are down and discard you when they do not need you anymore was never a friend. People who can strike you when you are down, you need them when you are down, they are suddenly not there. But when it's time to club, they know how to party. Or when you have money, when you have collected your paycheck. You know, I wonder if you know that there are some people, they don't show up on Mondays, they don't show up on Tuesdays, they don't show up on Wednesday, Friday night. When the alert has entered your phone, your, your bank accounts be updated. Ah, how far, bro? What's, what's, what's up here? Any, any party happening in town? And you two are wondering. They'll say, ah, nothing. Eat me up. I know somewhere in town. Let's go. And they want to spend your money. <laughs> now, so, when you have friends who can strike you when you are down and discard you when they do not need you anymore, they were never your friend. So that's why those emergency best friendship, all those people that used to say, I'm your best friend, I'm your best friend, I'm your best friend, emergency. Watch it. Because you didn't even allow the friendship to grow. You didn't know each other very well. When it's... You just discover that your best friend has disappeared. So... It is important for us to state that if you strike another also at his lowest point, you too cannot be called a friend. When you are not also there for somebody who you refer to as a friend at his lowest point, because everybody will have his lowest point, everybody will have his, his trying times, his adversity days, you too are not a friend. So now we ask you a question. Are you a friend or do you have a friend? Ask your neighbor. Are you a friend? Everybody is quiet. Everybody is thinking, wow. Are you a friend? Ask your neighbor, say, are you a friend? And do you have a friend? Because we need to ask ourselves these questions. Do you have friends? Friends that when it is exam time, they will not allow you to sleep. You are sleeping like this. Wake up! Ah! Failure is at the door. <laughs> you know, that's a good friend. <laughs> don't sleep! Don't sleep! Wake up! Ah! Failure is at the door. <laughs> and you have to wake up to read. You remember failure is at the door. Ah! You wake up and read. You know, you have a friend that, imagine you have a friend that you've not studied the Bible, you've not prayed, you've not reached out. The friend is already telling you, you're a, you're a backslider. The friend is already telling you, you're a backslider. Stand up! Let's do this! And I want you, oh. But you know, as you are doing the oh, you know what the person is saying is true. That's a good friend. But imagine, you, you're tired. You just say, ah, 12 o'clock, bro, Limo will soon start testing again. Ah, 
wake up everybody. Bro, in Tando, we say, guys, it's 12. Oh, let's come. Your friend will say, oh, I don't feel like going to this. Say, I don't feel like going to. Both of you are not friends. <laughs> both of you are not friends. Don't keep both. You can't work with that kind of person. You know? <laughs> you can't. You say, let's just sleep. You see, it's true. Let's just sleep. It's true. The evil will both mistrust together. You told the person, wake me up at thin. Thin, the person saw you. The person said, ah, I just didn't want to wake you. 10 p.m. The person is awake. And you told the person, I want to pray. You know, I just want to fellowship with God. The person said, ah, good, I'll wake you up. Thin will call. The person is awake. If just maybe the person is on FaceTime with a significant order. The person said, ah, I just did not want to wake you. I saw that the sleep, you were enjoying it. Ha! You ask the person, do you want me to sleep to glory? <laughs> you know, those, you need friends that would help you. I'd say, I'm, I'm saying what I said again, as touching Jesus' disciples. Jesus handed over his message, his life, his commitment, the gospel to 12 people. And see the passion with which they took it. They were willing to die for it. In fact, they died for it. No, I'm not saying you should go and die for your friend. Though. Oh, you need to leave. One of you has to leave. <laughs> but are you seeing the devotion? Guys, are you seeing it? In fact, they died for it. You know, guys will be telling, you know, they will have friends. Those Jesus' disciples would have had friends before Jesus came to their lives. I mean, and interrupted their whole life. And they will have friends who will be telling them, ah, you're just following this fisherman, this carpenter. You're not following this. You know, that's, you know, it is we now that we're reading it as Jesus, the son of God. Those guys there, we don't see him then. That's why most people in Israel today, they will tell you they believe the Torah, they are Judaism. They say, we only believe the first Bible. Jesus has not yet come. I remember I met people like that. They say Jesus has not yet come. And they are from those, <laughs> from those eras. Jesus has not yet come. I pity them. They'll go to hell fire. <laughs> so, you know, they'll be saying, why are you following this carpenter? What does this carpenter know? You know, you know, the Bible says in Mark 6 that Jesus could not do so many miracles in his own hometown because the people did not even regard him. They dishonored him. No, no, no. This carpenter. Is it not Joseph, the person that was born in my backyard? That's the person that you are saying, and all of you, all the 12 of you are just following him. You are listening to him. What is so special about him? But look at it. They took the commitment like their own. And you know the beauty about it? They did it even at his absence. I don't think that's something. They did it at his absence, where there was nobody to supervise them. If they had done it in the four Gospels, we would have said, yes, Jesus was there. You know, the Bible says in Luke 10, they came to report all that, everything, and they came to Jesus and say, even the devil was subject to our name, uh, to your name, and all of those things. And Jesus was telling them, rejoice not, but rejoice that your name was written in the book of life, and all of those things. But do you know that if you read from Acts 2 downwards, they did it even at his physical absence. That's friendship. 
So are you a friend? And do you have a friend? Ask your neighbor that question again. Are you a friend? Are you a friend? And do you have a friend? You know, this is a big question, right? I'm sure, you, I'm sure you, you're sure you thinking. All right, let me start seeing where we can put this to a close and we'll pick it up from here next week. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying this? Yes. All right, let's, let's see where we can, let's see how we can wrap up now. So we'll, we'll continue next week and I think we should, we should finish it next year. If we don't finish it, we'll finish it next year. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. So now, Rather, so we said, so rather than search for friends, we ought to focus on ourselves on being good friends. We ought to be good friends to people. So now, the words of the scriptures teaches us that it is not biblically good to desert people when they are in need. That's true. It's not good to desert people when they are in need. And because that's not the kind of friendship we are thought from the practice of scriptures. Anyone can be a friend when the other party has more than he or she does. You know, it's very easy to submit to people and to be very loyal to people when they seem to be more privileged than you. Maybe they have more money, they have more, you just are. <laughs> you are doing everything to, because you know the kind of benefits, or maybe they have more connections than you. You know the kind of benefit you can gain from this friendship. So you are walking on eggshells because... <laughs> You're even telling another friend, if I lose this brother, <laughs> that job in DC. <laughs> you know, are you getting what? So it's very easy to have friends. But look at Proverbs 27, verse 6. But it takes a true friend to stick in difficult times. It, it takes a, a true friend to stick in difficult times. Look at Luke, Proverbs 27, verse 6. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Are we there? Yes. So he says, we're there, right? Yes. All right, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy, of an enemy are deceitful. Hmm. So we see that a friend can wound you in a faithful way. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of, a, of an enemy are deceitful. Now, the word wound is translated from the Hebrew word pesta, P-E-T-S-A, P-E-T-S-A, and it means whipping, W-H-I-P-P-I-N-G, whipping. And it also means when a friend looks at you intently. So this means that a friend can wound you when you take decisions that cause you to stray. That is, when you, when you take decisions that cause you to stray. Now, a true friend's intent would not be to make you feel good in the face of wrong decisions. Now, let me explain what I'm saying. How many of you know there are times you are about to take decisions and your friend will tell you, this is not the best decision. You are about to make a mistake. And there will be somebody else cheering you up and telling you, oh, my sister, go girl, period. 
I'm on social media, so I know everything that is going on. <laughs> so, some of you are looking at me like I'm an alien. <laughs> no. You know, some people will post pictures. Revealing pictures so women. Sorry, I'm sorry it could come at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some people will post pictures. You, we are seeing everything that is supposed to be covered. And you will see some girls underneath the pictures. Fire. Fire pictures. Period. Kill them. Step on our necks. We are your floor, match on us. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> you know, so we say, we are your red carpet. Lay us, lay, like, let's, you know. And you'll be seeing different comments. People are hailing you for carnality. For doing the wrong thing. You know, even when you wanted to post the picture, that your mother must not see this. You know. But because Instagram influencers has influenced you, you want to, you want to feel among also, you want to, and your, your, your good friend told you, don't you think this is too much? You look at the friend like, why are you behaving like you are the only one that is born again? I'm born again too now. What's, what's there? It's just picture. It's just picture. They are not seeing me physically. It's just... <laughs> It's just picture. And you have friend. The person that called you your best friend is the one telling you. Is the first person to comment. And you know the funniest thing? People will help you retweet it. They will help you repost it. Everybody will say, wow. Wow, fire. <laughs> That's fake people. They are leading you to destruction. <laughs> you know your pastor in church must not see it. Some people don't even care again. It's okay again. Pastor. Ah. That's what is trending. <laughs> but you know your mother must not be on Instagram. Or that wicked auntie in your family that always reports you must not see it. So there are times we want to take a good decision. And I'll close from here. A true friend will not allow us take the wrong decisions. A true friend will tell us the truth in love, even when the truth hurts. I told myself something as a preacher, and as a pastor to a church, and I told them, I, I told my, my members, I told them, I said, if there is something I will not do, is to see you going astray and not tell you. I will talk to you my last breath. I will make sure I don't hold back any truth from you. I told them, I said, I will make sure I don't hold back any truth from you, even if it is going to hurt you. But many of us, you know your friend is going astray, but you are afraid to talk to the person. That's bad. That's not being a good friend. You know that decision the person is making. You know it. Because you are also knowledgeable. You are smart. You know... This is not the best of decisions. But you say, I mean, I support you. Ah. Support the person to his destruction. You know, you know, the world has made us feel that I support you, I believe in your dreams. All of those things are good. But you know, this, this thing is not good for this person. You have to speak up. That's a good friend. 
But you know what we do? We do the I told you game. After the person has fallen, I told you. <laughs> Did I not tell you? Why do you have to wait for the person to fall? So even if the person turns a deaf ear and doesn't listen, do we pray about it? Do we have people we can call and say, let's pray about this? And so there's something that went wrong with my friends. He, he, he wanted to, with some of my friends, he wanted to take a decision. And we knew, we knew this is not your time. We told him, I mean, this is this brother that we expect that he should even know more than us. And he's about to take a wrong decision. This happened a couple of months ago. He's about to take a wrong decision. We knew, we prayed together. We've seen these things in the spirit. We, we, God is not saying you should do this now. You are going to do it, but not now. Why are you trying to take the wrong decision? He didn't listen. He didn't. Ah, I said, see, man of God. I will never support you on this. I will never. I told him. I told him point blank. I said, if you do this, you are on your own. I said, I will never support you. I, I do you know what I did. I said, I will be praying for you. He said, I told him I will go and report him to another people. So we gathered together and started praying for him. After he just came back, he said, I, I see your point. I said, you have to see it. After the prayer we prayed, you have to see the point. <laughs> you have to see the point. He said, I see your point. Ah, you have to see it. Because you are about to make a, a mistake that I already made before that became a lesson for all of you. You now want to make the same mistake. How do you get to what I'm saying? But if it's a bad person, the person will not be say, ah, you know, you just have that. Yeah. Are you sure? Sure. I mean, if it is good, okay. Oh, no, okay, oh. <laughs> it's not okay to ensure you speak up. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the question is, as we close now, are you... So now, in that Proverbs 27 verse 6 again, so when he says, um, when he says, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the cases of our enemy are deceitful. So now, can we see the wounds of a friend? Because he's faithful. He's hurting us, right? But the truth is hurting us, but we are seeing that this person is faithful to us. You know, Jesus told Peter, and said, the devil has desired to sweep you like wheat. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail and that when you are strengthened, when you are strong, you strengthen their brethren. Jesus saw Peter failing. But he saw, he told Peter, you know what he did? He took them to the mount in Matthew 26 to go and pray. He told them, can't you pray? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And they kept sleeping. Jesus came to wake them three times. He said, can't you watch with me for at least an hour? Just pray. So when the time is past, he said, sleep on. The time has come that the Son of Man will be killed. But Jesus prayed for Peter. Do we pray for our friends? Do we have their interests in our heart? Or do we gossip them? As they are about to take that wrong decision, you just go and tell another, <laughs> I pity this person though. Don't tell him I told you. Don't tell him I told you. Ah, that's not being a good friend. 
Are you seeing it? So I believe, why are we sharing this this afternoon? I believe as Christians, there is a responsibility on us to act better. Hallelujah. There's a responsibility on us to, to behave like Christians. Are you seeing it? To behave like who we are in Christ. We are seeing Jesus' example. We are seeing uh, the examples from the scriptures. And, and, and this is our guiding path to, to, to help us be a better person. Hallelujah. And to help us save those that are around us. So we say we can have the multitudes, right? We can have the 70, right? We can have the 12. There is the three and there is the one. Now, the one can be two people. Are you getting what I'm saying? The one can be two people. The one can be three people. But you should know how to choose them because man is a product of influence. Are you that friend that would see your friend going wrong and you won't say anything about it? Not just you won't say anything about it, you won't be able to pray for the person. Are you that friend? Or are you that friend that when you see a problem, a danger, you spot it and you start telling the person, let's pray about this? Or are you that friend that your friend is telling you they are not going to church, you agree? You say, no worries. They are, I, will, I will even wake you up. What time do you want me to wake you? So you will leave service, you will quickly go out. I go and call the person and say, wake up, wake up now, your alarm is... <laughs> no. Are you seeing it? So, uh, are, we, are we learning something this, this, this morning, this afternoon? So I want us to pray for ourselves very quickly. Let's, let's just be on our feet and let's just pray for ourselves. I want you to pray for yourself this, this morning, this afternoon, sorry. And let's just, let's just pray for ourselves that we are a better person, right? We, we can act on God's word better, right? We are good friends to people. Let's just pray about that for ourselves this, this, this afternoon. Pray. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Lift your voice. And let's just pray for ourselves. And pray for our friends. If your friend is here, I want you to hold them and let's just pray together. And let's just pray. We, we should. Hallelujah. 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 We, we have to learn to pray over our relationships. Our friendships. See, there is, there, is the, there is the antics of the devil in this hour today to destroy a lot of friendships and to make a lot of people. And that, the reason for that is to bring isolation. So that a lot of friends are not on fire for Jesus. You are going south. You are going right. You are just, everybody is just scattered. So we, we have to learn to prove our supernatural relationships. Are you getting what I'm saying? Over our friendship. You know that you and this person, God brought you guys together to at least to do something, to, to share God's word together, you know? To, so let's, we can pray over that, right? I'm sure all of us are friends, right? We are not an island of our own, right? How about praying for our friends this, this, this afternoon? Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Lift your voice and let's pray. Let's pray, over, let's pray for our friends.